This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast. I'm Ben McKee, joined by former Tennessee pitcher Will Heflin. Have a ton to discuss on the podcast this Tuesday morning because on this Tuesday morning, the NCAA has announced that Tennessee baseball will not be hosting a Super Regional. Instead, Southern Miss will be hosting the Super Regional because, oh, by the way, since we last spoke, Southern Miss swept pin in two games and came back out of the loser's bracket to win the Auburn Regional to match up with Tennessee. And now on a Tuesday morning, it has been announced that Tennessee will head to Hattiesburg for not a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series, but a Saturday, Sunday, Monday series. The series will begin on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPNU, game time and television for Sunday and Monday have not yet been announced. So, uh, Will, I I think we both agree. In fact, I know we both agree that Southern Miss is deserving of being a host and and kind of everything that we're going to say has nothing really to do with Southern Miss itself. Uh, They're a great team, great program. Uh, They've had a really great year. Uh, They will be able to host well. It, It won't be like an Indiana State situation where people are outside in tents working to to help get the thing covered and and produced so to speak uh southern miss has hosted regionals and super regionals in the past and and quite frankly they've looked awesome i remember when they hosted uh, lsu last year that that regional was really really cool the atmosphere looked awesome on television uh and then last year when old miss went down there to southern miss and and beat them to go to the college world series that atmosphere looked awesome as well so it, it'll be an awesome atmosphere but I don't understand how Tennessee is not hosting based off of all the metrics, both on the field and all the accommodations that Knoxville can make to, to Hattiesburg as well. Yeah, I don't I don't have any serious problem with it other than the fact that we don't know the criteria used to make the decision. There's no concrete tiebreaker. There's no reasoning behind it. The The arguments on Twitter – revolved around several factors, RPI, strength of schedule, um, which both were in the ball favor. The facilities pretty close in terms of stadium size. Obviously, Hattiesburg has enough to accommodate everything needed because they've done it in the past, as you mentioned. Um, and then what worked in Southern Miss's favor was the fact that they have more total wins, partly because they won their conference tournament. Um and they were more in the discussion to host a regional, whereas when the Vols lost to AM and Hoover, we were not. So clearly the total wins and the conference championship uh, played a role in the ultimate decision. The problem that I have is that we don't know what it actually was. Nobody 
has to come out and explain themselves. They probably probably won't do it. Um, and then a big problem I have just with having a committee in general and not having just a rule to go by that no one can argue is the fact that one of the guys on the committee who's the AD at, I think, southeastern Louisiana, his son plays on their team. And that's just, regardless of whether or not that played a factor or not, it's a bad look. Um, and we saw that with the Auburn hosting situation where people were a little disgruntled with you know, some of the, the home cooking, if you will, that goes into those decision makings. You're just trying to stay away from that criticism um, and just make a decision based on merit. And it's hard to believe that that's what happens when you have those type of relationships involved. Um, so that's my only real qualm. Really, for me, I'm cool with it. Um because it's another huge opportunity for Coach V to go do something that hasn't been done at this program, and um, we get an opportunity to play. I do like the the Saturday slot. It kind of gives us Friday to enjoy some other super regionals and just watch good baseball without sweating it out. And then we can, you know, wake up on Saturday morning and prepare ourselves to uh, to root on the Volunteers um, at three o'clock. So. You know, I, I'm super excited for it. Disappointed we didn't get to host because you want to play in your own park and have all that orange and, and the excitement around Knoxville. But it's still going to be it's still going to be an opportunity to get to Omaha, which is all you can ask for at this time of year. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you said. Th those are kind of my three points that I don't understand. Is the the first one being that why is this not predetermined? Why why is this not? Why why do we not know who is going to host a super regional if this situation occurs before the tournament actually begins? Well, why do we not have a, a built-in pre-made um tiebreaker? Uh and, and I don't know what the tiebreaker should be. It, it seems maybe uh well we could do it like basketball and, and rank all the teams like like basketball does, and the, the higher seeded team gets to host or the team that beats the higher seeded team in the away regional, they get to host. Like they're, they're pretty easy re results that we can go off of, or uh, I think easy determining factors that that we could use to determine a super regional host, rather than just supposedly the committee just getting together overnight and releasing it on Twitter at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday morning with with no explanation, like you said. So that that's my first gripe is is that why is this not predetermined? Why is this even a thing in, in the first place? It, it shouldn't be. It absolutely should not be. Uh, and and for another reason, now you have all of the, the family members of Tennessee's players and friends like the fans are one thing, but the family members have no idea where Tennessee's going. They're they're left in limbo, and now they're racing to to book hotels and and whatnot. And and I went ahead and booked a hotel on Monday before it was announced, so I got it at a good rate. I think I got like one eighty a night or one sixty something like that. And and now on Tuesday after it's been announced within an hour, they're like up to four hundred and fifty dollars a room. So why this isn't predetermined to, to where it allows people to plan everybody involved, the, the team itself, the, the traveling crowd, whether it be fans, friends, family members. I, I just don't understand why this is not predetermined so we can avoid this situation popping up in, in the first place. 
and then, like you said, Will, the fact that there's not going to be a single person to explain this decision, I, I don't anticipate anybody explaining this decision. Again, they just announced it on Twitter. And unless somebody's able to get comments from John Cohen, the, the head of the selection committee, or somebody that, that's on the committee, which I don't foresee happening, like we're not going to know why Southern Miss got it over Tennessee. And, and that's a problem if if we can't sit down and, and explain the decision-making process to, to make it more understandable. And, and, and then the last thing, the third thing is – you hit on it, like the relationships that Southern Miss has with a couple of people on the committee, uh, with John Cohen, uh, with, uh, you know, the, the AD at Southeastern Louisiana who has a player on the team. And then also Bill McGillis, who is the AD at San Diego. He's close to Scott Berry, the head coach at Southern Miss. So, I mean, there, there's a ton of ties on the committee. Uh, and I would like to think I'm not somebody who believes in conspiracy theories. So I'd like to think that they made this decision with the utmost honor and and integrity and that didn't play a, a role, but it's hard not to for, for there not to be just a natural bias as, as friends. So hopefully that didn't factor into the decision, but it's hard also to, to ignore as well. So th- those are my three gripes, not, not even necessarily that Southern miss, you know, just absolutely did not deserve it because they did. You kind of had to split hairs to to break down the resume. But I go back to something we talked about the other night, Will. The RPI was the end-all, be-all at the end of the regular season when seeding the NCAA tournament. And Tennessee's at 13 in RPI now, and Southern Miss is at 20. And it's like that goes out the door. And and you break down the conferences conferences that they play in, like, and, and the amount of wins against top 50 teams and, and things of that nature. And I just don't really understand this decision. No, I'm with you 100%. Um, but we could probably spend all day splitting hairs and, and pointing fingers. Um, the fact of the matter is, is we got we to gotta roll with, with the cards that we were dealt and um, find a way to win two baseball games. I wanted to um, touch on something that was talked about a lot earlier in the year and they've kind of they've kind of gone away from it but I feel like it may it may present its beautiful head once again um now that Tennessee is headed to USM for regional let me remind everybody the Ole Miss 2022 season and kind of what played out and transpired for their season so they started 5 and 10 in SEC play Tennessee Vols in 2023 started 5 and 10 in SEC play Mississippi finished 14 and 16, Tennessee finished 16 and 14. So the t- same two numbers, we just had two more wins than they did. Ole Miss goes one done in Hoover as does Tennessee, and then Ole Miss heads to an ACC hosted regional in Miami and wins that one in 3 and 0 fashion. Tennessee goes to Clemson, an ACC hosted regional, and goes 3 and 0 and then Ole Miss proceeds to win two games that, yep, you guessed it, Southern Miss for Supers and goes on to win the national title. So I think we've got yet another um, Tennessee 23 connection to Ole Miss 22. And I know that, you know, when the when the lights are on and people are playing baseball, that none of that matters. But it is eerie in that 
all those similarities and we're headed to the same place to play uh the super regional matchup so i just wanted to i kind of you know thought about that earlier and they talked about it a little bit when tennessee was kind of fighting to get back in the ncaa um postseason discussion and once they did it kind of went away a little bit but here we are playing in the same super regional that Ole Miss won last year. Pretty convincingly, by the way, they won five nothing and ten nothing. weren't really two close games at you uh, at Southern Miss. So if Tennessee can handle business like that, then I think <laughs> people are really going to start raising their eyebrows at, at what's going on here. It's pretty wild how similar <laughs> Tennessee's path so far this this postseason is to uh, the the path of Ole Miss to, to win a national championship uh, last year as, as well. And hopefully for Tennessee's sake, history repeats itself uh, because if it does, that means that Tennessee will win a national championship. I just, I, I think that if you're a Tennessee fan, you have to feel good about heading down to Southern Miss uh, at this point that they're playing the best baseball of the season. Uh, especially when you lump in the last two months. I know it kind of felt weird there for two weeks with the A&M loss and, and then the the amount of time off. But really since the beginning of that Vanderbilt series, Tennessee's been red hot. I don't I don't know the exact numbers. It, it would probably be quick math off the top of my head, 18 out of the last 23 games that they've won now or, or something along those lines. So, uh, and, and you have to feel good about them playing on the road. I know that's been a hot topic all season long, but – at this point, their last two true road series, they're six and or five and one, five and one in their last six true road games. So you have to feel good uh, about that. The other two things that I wanted to point out quickly, uh, and we can move on from the whole outrage of Southern Miss hosting over Tennessee, is uh, A, I know there's a lot of people asking about tickets and how they can buy tickets. Uh, it doesn't look like there will be uh, tickets sold to the general public uh, in Southern Miss Baseball's uh, release at 1030 uh, discussing tickets and, and whatnot. Uh, it said that season ticket holders at Pete Taylor Park will receive information regarding Super Regional tickets. Southern Miss Athletics does not anticipate selling tickets to the general public due to selling out Pete Taylor Park this season which makes sense, but is also frustrating when there's the theory that because Southern Mrs. Park can maybe add 2,000 or so more people in standing room, or I don't know exactly how they'd get the other people in there, but there, there was that thought process that Southern Miss can hold even more people than Lindsey Nelson Stadium, and, and not just in, in general capacity, but in terms of fitting extra people in there. But if that was one of the decisions or if that played into the decision to allow Southern Miss to host over Tennessee, then why are we not selling tickets to the general public? That that doesn't really add up. If, if that was something that benefited Southern Miss in being able to host the Super Regional, then it, it does feel like tickets should have been sold to, to the general public. And then the weather does not look great whatsoever, Will. <laughs> it looks like it, it, it could be a tough weekend. Now, it is the South. It is Mississippi. This this tends to change on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, but as of, of Tuesday, it's a 30% a chance of rain on Friday, 60% chance on Saturday, 60% chance on Sunday, and 60% chance on Monday. So we'll, we'll see what actually happens when the, the weekend rolls around. But it, it, it could be... 
it could be an interesting weekend of baseball. But again, at the end of the day, I know it's frustrating for for fans that they don't get to watch Tennessee play in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. I feel bad for the guys who will be moving on after this season and, and don't get that one last opportunity to play in Lindsey Nelson after they were kind of teased with it these last 48 hours or, or so. I feel bad for those guys, and, and I feel bad for the the families that now have to find ways to travel and fans as well. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, Tennessee is – in a in a great position to go down there and succeed, and and you have to feel good about their chances based off of how they played this past weekend at Clemson. Yeah, percent. I will. In terms of the weather, um, as a golfer and a full baseball player, nothing grinds your gears more than than dealing with with rain and thunderstorms. And um, the Clemson regional as a whole was super fortunate because a lot of the regionals across. Um, especially the Southeast this past weekend had some delays. We saw Vanderbilt's um, finale against uh, Xavier get delayed right before the ninth inning for like four hours. Um, and then there were just rain delays across the country and Clemson Clemson regional didn't really have to deal with that. We were fortunate there. Um, but one thing I will say about our team when it does rain is I actually think it gives us an advantage because Mr. Crazy uh, Work Ethic Head Honcho, Tony Vitello, he ain't canceling practice for no rain. He's the last person that ever wants to cancel a game. I'm sure you can attest to this. If if there's a way to get a game in, it doesn't matter if it's you know Tuesday midweek, Wednesday midweek, whatever. He's going to wait it out as long as needed to play. And that's part of the reason the turf is such a good fit for him is because they don't have to they don't have to cancel as much. Um, and that, you know, also matters in terms of practice as well. So, um, our pitchers are more than used to throwing, um, with a little bit of moisture on the ball, throwing in the rain, and we've handled it better than our opponents throughout the year. Think back to the Florida game on Sunday. It was a horrible, horrible day. It was kind of cold, kind of wet. Jack Caglione, who's been one of the better pitchers in the country as of late, couldn't throw a strike to save his life. And Drew Beam just looked like it was sunny in 75. I mean, that was one of his good outings where he was just, um, you know, working quick innings. So I think from a mental standpoint and from just a, a being able to handle that another element on top of it being a super regional, um, a little bit of rain doesn't scare me at all in terms of our team. I think it actually gives us a slight advantage um, because we practice in it more than others. Um, so that's an interesting little little maybe mini storyline to follow if we do end up playing in the rain or you know have some wet field conditions i don't think it'll affect tennessee as much as maybe southern miss yeah and and i think the big thing to watch out for this weekend in terms of of weather and again it's just tuesday and, and lord knows the weather forecast changes like crazy uh, and it is the south it changes hourly it feels like uh, but if weather is a factor the thing to watch out for is when they start a game, because I think that will be on both sides, it'll be very important and, and something that both coaches are are vouching for. Because the point that I'm getting to is, especially if you're Southern Miss and you have Tanner Hall on the bump, their ace who is an absolute stud, you, you don't want to get a game going. And then three innings in, four innings in, it starts pouring down rain. There's an hour, two hour, three hour rain delay, and you can't bring him back after 
the delay, and then that's kind of a wasted start. Now, I guess in theory, if he only goes two or three innings, he could come back on the back end of things and play in a game three if necessary, or even pitch in a game two at the end of the of, of a game. You saw him do that this weekend against Penn in the Auburn Regional. But uh, but even for Tennessee, like Tennessee doesn't want to lose Andrew Lindsay after two or three innings, or Chase Dolander, or Drew Beam, or anybody. Uh, so that that is something to to certainly keep an eye on. Uh, Will, I know you had your eye on several other things that we weren't able to touch on uh, following Sunday night's game. So we're going to take a quick break here on the Diamond Balls podcast and come back and, and talk about a couple of those things uh, that you wanted to make sure that we touched on when we reconvene. So we'll be back here in just a moment following this break. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. I am Ben McKee, joined by former Tennessee pitcher and college World Series participant, Will Heflin, uh, talking about Tennessee baseball and Tennessee having to hit the road to play in a super regional against Southern Miss. Before we continue, would like to encourage you to go like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast. That would greatly help us. Uh, I found this this text that you sent me that you wanted to discuss fascinating. Your, your first thing that you texted me because it's something that I talked about periodically early in the season and and even building up uh, into the season. And that's Tony Vitello's temperament. And it, it's something that I know for a fact it was it was an area of emphasis over the offseason, I guess you could say, that that may be a little too strong of a way to put it. Like it, it wasn't something that was just beat over the head with. But I, I do think kind of how some of those games last year went and, and, you know, Tennessee's passion and energy that it plays with, the the vibe that Tennessee baseball is known for playing with, it's a blessing and a curse, mostly a blessing, but it has been a curse at times, like when you have to play in an, in an elimination game without your pitching coach uh, and without your star center fielder uh, as well in a game two. Uh, so it, it's it's a blessing and a curse, but I do think working on that temperament and not getting too high, not getting too low, I, I do believe that was an area of emphasis for, for Tony over the offseason. And Again, it wasn't something that was beaten over the head by, but it was maybe a realization that, okay, maybe I need to to be more steady. And I think we've seen that this season, and I think that the teams play, although they were inconsistent there for a while, but the second half of the season, I, I think you're seeing that temperament have a positive effect on the team as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think he's a different guy by any means. Um, 
you know, he's still certainly relatively young in terms of being a head coach. Um, so I'm sure he learns every day and, you know, he puts so much thought into every decision. I don't think he uses the restroom without a plan. Um, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He hasn't been tossed from a single game this year. Um, he, he was tossed at Missouri, but from my understanding, those who were in Missouri said that it was a, a very weak ejection and it wasn't okay. the, it wasn't the traditional hothead Tony Vitello ejection. Apparently the, the umpire gave him a very, very quick trigger when he probably shouldn't have given him a quick trigger. Okay. Well, that's fair, but we definitely haven't seen any chest bumps no. um, <laughs> in the 2023 season, which that's one of the things that you love about him and, and coach Anderson as well, um, who has noticeably dialed back a little bit this year. Um, and I think it's a good thing just from the fact of, like you said, not getting too high, not getting too low. I think the team has kind of, the team will always kind of follow that temperament, right? And so, you know, we saw all the all the flair and all the highs from last year, but when it was low, it got really low. Um, so it, I think steady is a good word to use. It seems a little bit more steady. And then the other thing is, these we're getting the same group of umpires, the same handful of umpires every weekend. And even when you get into the tournament, they'll shuffle them around a little bit, but you may end up getting the same ones that you've had, you know, throughout the season, or at least at some point, maybe it was non-conference. Um, you may see those guys again. And these coaches certainly have a reputation, um, right? So I remember when we were in Omaha, um, Frank got a, a warning like immediately for next to nothing. And it's just like, you can't help but feel like that's groundwork that he's already laid that now he's having to pay for, right? Because of, because of what, you know, the reputation is and, and what's transpired. And you also, you don't ever, I, and I think umpires do a great job, especially this year. They've been so, they're getting evaluated so tightly because of TrackMan that they have to be so on point with their calls. Um, but it's hard to, it's hard to not think that maybe a 50-50 call goes one way or another based on the emotions of the game or based on which coach has maybe, you know, politicked a little better. And you don't ever want to think that that's what goes on, but you also want to just make sure that you're giving your team the best opportunity to be called fairly and to maybe get the benefit of the doubt on certain calls because of the way you act and handle yourself throughout the game. So I think it's super, I think it's super positive and shows growth within the staff. And I'm not criticizing him by any means because that's the thing I love about Coach V the most is that he's so passionate, but he's honed it in a little bit, it seems. And he's almost like, he seems like he's more focused on the bigger picture this year and just not getting caught up in the moment as much. And you see that with, like in the Clemson game, it, was, it would have been so easy to get caught up in any moment in that game and feel like it was the end of the world. But it's like, hey, you know, the, the umpires haven't left the field yet, so we've still got a chance. So press on, keep playing, and good things like that, you know, tend to happen when you keep when you keep your head between your shoulders. So I you know, that was just one thing I noticed from the regional because that's certainly the time of year and the type of environment where you can certainly lose your cool 
um, at, at, at a moment's notice and, and really not even, not even know what happened till it's already happened. So I think that, I think that's, you know, a super positive, uh, trend in the, in, in the right direction. Yeah. And, and I don't, again, I don't think it's by accident either. So I, I tip my hat to Tony for, for maybe realizing that they, they need to, to have a more calming presence in, in the dugout. And Josh Elander's already always been kind of a calming presence in the, in the dugout as well, but it, it just means a little bit more when it's coming from the head coach and, and the guy in in charge. And again, I, I do think it was it wasn't something that was overly talked about, but it, it was also something that was recognized this past off season that that may have benefited or may be a benefit for the team long term if a slight adjustment is changed uh, or is made because nothing needed to be changed. He, he doesn't need to change who he is. Part of who he is is what makes him so great and what makes the team so great, but maybe making that slight adjustment to where he is more even keeled at times and, and more of a steady temperament is a positive. And I think you've seen the team react well to that. And you've, you've still seen the funny moment moments from Vitello. I mean, him coming out of the dugout kind of in a funny way over the weekend to, to ask for a review. I mean, you, you, and Tony has his moments throughout the game. Like he, he does, he, he thinks he's slick by how he, he kind of calls out the umpire and walks around the dugout after he does it. Like he thinks he's slick, but uh, he, he's, he's still, he's still popping off. It's just not like you said, he's, he's not chest bumping anybody or uh, really getting after an umpire. Like maybe we've seen in the well, past. So that's a smart thing to do. And, you know, the camera catches it because they can see into the dugout. But if he turns away and says something, then, you know, I think that's his that's his exact strategy is, hey, I'm going to get what I want to say off my chest. I've still got the same emotion that I would have felt regardless of my actions. But I'm going to turn around and say it so that I don't get tossed from the game or maybe, you know, the umpire doesn't hear me. Um so it's just a it's just a concerted effort to try to stay in the dugout, and I think Tennessee is a better baseball team with their full coaching staff and with their full um, full lineup of players. You know, we certainly don't want Christian Moore or any any other player thrown out of a baseball game, and I don't think Coach Vitello is any different. So if he's in the game, we have a better chance to win. Simple as that. Well, I think you've seen the leadership take a positive step forward as well i mean going into that last weekend at clemson there were some some rumors and some conversations out and about during that stretch from the loss to a&m in the sec tournament to to the regional weekend of is that guy transferring is this guy transferring is is the locker room okay is is the leadership okay and the leadership is obviously in a good spot if if they can go down the Clemson and sweep the Clemson regional. And, and not that the leadership has been perfect all year, because it has not. It has not been perfect all year. But I do think guys are starting to gr- really grow within leadership roles that allow them to go down and win the Clemson regional the way that it did when at times this season you would have thought that somebody was crazy if they suggested Tennessee was going to win the Clemson regional the way that it did. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about it in our preview that we were a little bit concerned because of, and not because of who is on the team now, because you lose Evan Russell, you lose Redmond Walsh, you lose Luke Lipsius, who were all three veteran guys and just clear and obvious leaders um, because of their veteran presence and just the personalities that they have. 
And I think a lot of questions, at least for me, got answered this weekend. Um, we kind of touched on on Drew Beam from the pitching side. You said Jared Dickey from the hitting side. I mentioned Griffin Merritt um, because he's an older guy. And I think all three of those were pretty spot on. I mean, I, Jared Dickey is probably the personality um, and just the demeanor for me hitting in that three hole and playing outfield. And, you know, he's just a really good kid to be around because he's always smiling and always seems like he's, you know, barking the team in some form or fashion and he's a professional hitter. So I think, you know, we, we saw some clear leadership there um, from Dickey and also Merritt who actually, the more I think about it, looking back, I don't know if anybody squared up more balls than him seemed like every time he was at the plate, he was lacing a baseball, just went right to some guys sometimes. Um, but he was swinging the bat really well, and I think he's got a great personality um, to have a leadership role um, from from another outfield perspective. But also Drew Beam and, and Andrew Lindsay and Chase Dolander, all three of your starters just have to be, have to be leaders in their performances were very leader-like kind of this weekend and, and showed, you know, pretty much everything that I was looking for. So I've got no concerns there. I just think it took a little bit of time because, like I mentioned before, you lost so much from last year. Guys had to step into to new, not just new roles on the field, but new roles in the locker room. And it can't be, can't be overstated how important that is from the cohesiveness of the team and just the the vibe that's in the dugout and on the bus and in the hotel rooms and and in the locker room um, throughout the season. So it's good to see it coming together at the right time for sure. You you simply just don't go down there and do what you did, and especially win that Clemson game in the manner that you did. If the locker room is in a terrible place, if the leadership is in a terrible place, which again. I've talked about it a good bit throughout the course of the season. It's never, it was never that the leadership and, and the locker room was in a bad place. It just wasn't quite what it was like your team had it and, and like last year's team had it. And I think a flip switched over the, the last week, week and a half uh, of them having that rest in between Hoover and the NCAA tournament. Dickie and Dolander talked about it going in like we we spent time together and it seems like that time spent together off was was really beneficial for them. So uh, they're in as good of a spot as they've been all season as they hit the road uh, to travel down to Southern Miss this season. Uh, there's a couple of other things that we will get to later in the week when we uh, are closer to the weekend and, and put out a, a preview pod. I know you wanted to talk about some lefty lefty matchups that that have been in in uh, thrown at Tennessee, and they've been responding well to them lately. And uh, of course, we'll have our 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 super regional picks and predictions. We'll hit all of his regional predictions on the head. So uh, he's got big expectations. Uh, well, I'm look, I'm putting it all on you so that you have to live up to big expectations, and I don't th- this upcoming weekend. So. <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm just gonna take the easy picks then. <laughs> I'm taking Andrew Lindsay and Christian Moore. Yeah, uh, real geniuses on this podcast we yeah. have. We're taking uh Patrick Mahomes and and Steph Curry this weekend. That, that's right. That's right. So we'll be back later in the week. So we'll appreciate you. Enjoy your week. And uh, like I said, we'll be back later in the week to to get ready for a big old super regional. Yes, sir. Go Vols. He's Will Heflin. I'm Ben McKee. This has been another edition of the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com.
There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.